welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will open up the Salt and Light Vault and bring out some of our favorite conversations. First, Sister Peter Joseph of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, tells us about their experience on the American Bible Challenge game show. And we meet singer-songwriter Michael James Meddy. In our second half hour, Archbishop Terence Prendergast of Ottawa tells us about his book, God's Word on Sunday, on the liturgical year C and the readings from the Gospel of Luke. At the end of the program, we will meet singer and songwriter Curtis Stephen. We begin now with the American Bible Challenge. You've probably heard of the Dominican Sisters, and maybe even, especially if you're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, about the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. But have you heard of the Game Show Network's hit series, The American Bible Challenge? And do you know that moving on to the final round this season are three Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist? Sister Peter Joseph joins me now on the phone from Ann Arbor to tell us all about this wonderful opportunity for evangelization. Sister Peter Joseph, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, um, for people who uh, have never seen the show, what's the show like? What's, what's the, the, the American Bible Challenge? Well, the main point of the show is a trivia game show um, based on Bible trivia questions, uh-huh. and all of the team members are playing for their charity. So there are teams playing for... Okay. Um, different things like we were playing for the retirement for our sisters there were teams playing for their own charities food shel- food um pantries shelters uh-huh. things like that so so you can the the contestants or the teams can only participate if they're representing a charity that's right and so who are some of these other who were some of the other contestants some of the other contestants we played against um one contestant was playing for their church group another was playing for a food pantry there was one um, plane to end human trafficking. There were a lot of great really? causes out there. And these are, because the, 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 the bits that I got to see online, you know, you have like the bikers or the cowboys. I mean, that's certainly how they featured them. Um, the Christian girls, the sisters. I mean, was it really set up that way or is that a little bit of a gimmick? Well, I think they do that just to make it a little more fun. So it's yeah. fun to see a team of, of three people all going, kind of similar people and all going for a, a charitable cause. Right. Okay, so how did you and, and your team and the Dominican Sisters, I think, how did you end up in the show or on the, participating on the show? Well, the, the sisters heard about the um, opportunity b- before the show aired. And so Mother Assumpta, who's the, uh, one of the founders of, of our community, uh-huh. asked if anyone thought they knew the Bible fairly well and <laughs> would answer qu- questions quickly. So she ended up asking the three of us to go. Okay, so th- did you had to have your own little contest uh, among the sisters to see who would be chosen? <laughs> no, Mother asked the three of us. Okay, now um, Catholics are not well known for being, you know, Bible experts. So is this a particular interest that the three of you have, or is there a particular focus on Scripture among your congregation? Well, all three of us do love the Scripture, but I really think any of the sisters could have gone on the show and done a great job. Um, Everyone in our community loves the Scriptures, and it's also a very Dominican 
tradition to love and study the scriptures. Right. Now, what's, what's, so, so again, for people who have not had a chance to, to watch the show, I know that you're going on to the final round. So how many uh, did you have to play? Were you at every episode or how, how was the show structured that way? Um, well, so far uh, we've played two episodes. So we've played one, um, I believe it was the first episode shown uh-huh. um, as a kind of intro. And then we were able to go on to the semifinals because we won that one. Uh-huh. Um, and then the latest show was the semifinals, which we just won. Okay. And then the next one would be, the next one for you is the finals. The next one for us is the finals, yes. But there are other shows between now and then. There are. There's a whole other round of shows leading up to another semifinal show. I see. And so at the finals, will you be playing against two other teams? We will be. We'll be playing against the other winner of the semifinals and whoever wins a kind of um, tiebreaker game between the two second place winners of the semifinals. Now, and for... <laughs> maybe we can make this a little bit of a... a, 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 a a Bible show quiz show here right now. <laughs> what what sorts of questions are they? I mean, because I know it's not all trivia that they're asking you questions and you have to answer. Sometimes there are little games that you have to, I don't know, put all the Bible books in order or or uh, other other uh, other activities like that. What sorts of questions are they asking? Yes, they ask um, all sorts of questions, starting with kind of easier ranging questions at the beginning, where it might be just about basic gospel stories like the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Uh-huh. But then they also had fun physical challenges. So one of the ones that we did on the first show was you had you had some glasses lined up in front of you with Bible answers on them, and you had to flip a fork using a spoon into the glass. So it was kind of a fun figure okay. out how to do the physics challenge uh-huh. while getting the correct Bible answer. So you have to be uh, f- physics experts as well as scripture scholars. <laughs> yes. Now, what, what, it, it occurred to me when I was preparing for the show that this is a great, I mean, everybody's talking about the new evangelization and what a great opportunity to, I mean, to evangelize through the show in terms of teaching people scripture, but also for you, the three of you Dominican sisters, to be there with the other contestants. Um, you're wearing full habits. I'm yes. sure that that brings, brings out lots of interesting questions or conversations. What sorts of conversations have you been having with some of the other contestants? You know, we had a lot of really great conversations. Like you said, we're wearing the full habit. Uh-huh. And so, so many people wanted to know why, why we wear the habit and what kind of witness that's giving. So we were able to do a lot of just basic evangelization. Well, you know, we wear the habit because we're representing Jesus Christ and we want you to know that he loves you. Uh-huh. Um, and that was just a great witness. And uh, is it fair to say that y- the three of you are the only Catholics in the program, contestants? I believe we were this season, uh, as far as I know. I'm not, I'm not positive. So in terms of, uh, did you find that there were other questions that people had about Catholicism, or especially maybe during the, the transition in the papacy, questions about our faith? Yes, we... Um, we were asked about our faith quite a bit. Um, there were a number of people who knew Catholics but didn't really know what they believed. So we were able to explain, you know, we have these things in common with Protestants, you know, but we believe that Jesus is the real presence in the Eucharist, things like that. We were able to explain them, but then they could also see 
on the flip side, here are Catholics who are joyful, excited about their faith, and that you know, here's something to look for, to look at in Catholics yeah, that might absolutely. be not, might not have seen before. Yeah, yeah, joyful young, young sisters, and yes. that you actually know your scriptures, mm-hmm. which which is good. Now, um, so the, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Dominican Sisters, Dominican Order, the Dominican Order. But maybe they have not heard. Uh, they don't realize that there might be different. Is it fair to say different branches of the Dominican uh, order? So you, the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, is your congregation. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about about what is different? What is your particular charism? Well, we're a fairly new congregation. We were actually founded in 1997 um, by four Dominican sisters from Saint Cecilia's. Okay, so those are the uh, ones in Nashville. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they found our community um, in order for for two reasons. In order to have we have daily Eucharistic adoration, and that's one of the main features of our community life. Okay. Every day we have a holy hour in front of the exposed sacrament, uh-huh. and we are also teachers. So most of our apostolate involves teaching in Catholic schools okay. and bringing Christ to the kids there. Okay. So you're out working. Yes. Every day teaching. Um, I don't think a lot of people would think of Mary as mother of the Eucharist. Uh, I love that concept. Um, h- how is that? How can that image of Mary inspire us? Well, a big part of our community's charism is spiritual motherhood. Mm-hmm. So as we're out teaching the kids, evangelizing to other people, we're trying to image Our Lady as she was to the people around her, but also as she adored the Eucharist. Her, her own son. Uh-huh. So that's, that's a very large influence for all of us. Yeah, that's beautiful. How many sisters do you have in your, in your uh, congregation? We have over 100 sisters. Really? And you're all, and the convent or your mother house is in Ann Arbor, Michigan? Yes. So, and if anyone, uh, may, maybe there are some young women who are listening, who are thinking, oh, that sounds interesting. How can I find out more? Uh, do you have uh, vocations retreats or anything like that? Come and see weekends that they can participate we in? We do. We have three vocations retreats a year, one in, the, our, our next one coming up is in May. Okay. Um, and also, if you go to our website, sistersofmary.org, uh-huh. they can find out all about our vocations, when our retreats are, and they can email our vocations director, who would be glad to hear from them. Excellent. Yeah, so we're going to post that, that, that web address on our site. So the final show... The final round, I guess, for you is going to be on May 16th. The show is Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, correct? Yes. And if you win, what happens? If we win, we win a $100,000 prize. Oh, wow. And To give to our charity, which is the retirement fund for the, our sisters. To help your sisters when they retire. Great. So, okay. So, we'll all be watching. And good. Good luck. Is that fair to say? Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. I'm sure you'll do well. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us today and telling us a little bit about your life, your congregation, and and this uh, fun uh, experience that you've been having. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Sister Peter Joseph is a Dominican sister of Mary, mother of the Eucharist, a congregation based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. You can find out more about them at, at their website, sistersofmary.org. And you can find out more about the American Bible Challenge at gsntv.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Michael James Metty, with your love from his new album, Bring Forth the Light. Thank 
Michael James Metty with Your Love 
from his album, Bring Forth the Light. Michael James Metti has over 14 years' experience in youth ministry as a worship leader, keynote speaker, workshop presenter, and retreat coordinator. He served in the Air Force also and has a degree in theology. Interesting combination. He's been married for 13 years to Michelle, and they have five young children. Now, Michael's newest album, Bring Forth the Light, follows closely behind his first album, Always What I Need. The new album explores many themes, including human love, life, and the afterlife. And to tell us more about his work and about this new album, I am now joined by Michael James Metti. Michael, welcome to Salt to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much, Deacon. I appreciate your, uh, your inviting me here. No, for sure. Always happy to meet new artists. What? N- not that they're, you're new. You're new in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was it like growing up in the Metti household? Did you, was it very musical? Was it Catholic? Tell us a bit about that. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely Catholic. Uh, I'm a cradle Catholic, and my mom and dad, uh, they always sacrificed um, to, give, to give me you know, the, the best in life. I went to a Catholic school, Catholic grade school in high school, 12 yeah. years, in this kind of small farm town uh, in rural Illinois. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember for a long time like, just really struggling with, uh, with living out the Catholic faith, because I saw all of these examples uh, of kind of, you know, just kind of going through the motions, you might say. Right, of course. Uh, and and yeah. my heart would be stirred when I would hear the gospel, and I specifically remember, like, when, when the priest was preaching the homily about really wanting to be more active and more involved in my faith, uh-huh. uh, but really just kind of struggling with that in this kind of sleepy, um, small town. Right. Uh, we always had music around, but, um, but you know, I didn't really, um, I didn't always know how to express it that way. So. Right. Did you take lessons? Because you play guitar, right? I played guitar. I didn't pick that up until my junior year in high school, though. Oh, yeah. I played in, in band. Uh, Sister Cordula taught me how to play trombone starting <laughs> in fifth grade. Right. And uh, I played trombone. I wanted to play drums, and she said we, they had too many drummers. So uh, yeah. So I played the great rock and roll instrument of slide trombone, and uh, it kind of gave me a basis. And then I, I taught myself guitar and drums and uh, piano later on. Right. Um, and I was, I was really involved. Like One of the big things in, in Effingham was uh, the high school musicals, and so... I was involved in the high school musicals and had the lead almost every year. And that's actually where I met my wife. Right oh, yeah. after high school, we were in a musical together, Anything Goes. Oh, and we yeah. were cast opposite each other. We got married in the, in the show. Nice. And now you're married. We thought we tried <laughs> in, in real life. And uh, it seems to have worked out so far. And you <laughs> sing together. Um, you break into song, like, randomly in the kitchen? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, well we always time. have music at the Medi House. Uh, we, we have, um, we're always playing songs, and uh, we have dance parties and stuff. My daughters are really, uh, really, really musical. So That's right. Yeah. And, and they're, they're really cunning. They can really identify. Um, like Annie said the one day, uh, we were talking about uh, one of my favorite bands, Gunger, and I said, uh, you like them? She goes, yeah, I do. I said, what, what, what is it that you like about them? She goes, they have really good dynamics, and they really do. Uh, it was just very astute for a how old, eight-year-old. How, she's eight. Yeah. So you have, is it three or four daughters and one son? Or uh, four, four girls and then uh, a boy, yeah. Michael, a MJ, boy. MJ, we call him. Michael Jr. is uh, nice. two years old now. Good. Now, you were in the Air Force. Tell us, tell us a bit about that. Oh, man. Yeah, I was in the Air Force for four years right out of high school. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I served uh, in Texas all four years, and uh, I worked on the B-1 bomber. I did avionics and uh, autopilot instrumentation, the flight controls, all the electronics uh, up until um, actuators and stuff. Now, were, were you but, doing that as a, as a just because they pay you and it pays for your education, or were you actually thinking of a career with the, with the Air Force or Armed Forces? No, I never really thought of it as a career. I was really in to get an education. Um, I originally wanted to start my own company building uh, guitars and, and oh. instruments, and so I wanted to learn more about electronics because I, I really I kind of geek out on that stuff. 
Uh-huh. And um, and so I, I went down there, and it's funny because the way the Lord worked, uh, I was a cradle Catholic, but I, I wasn't necessarily active in my faith, like I said. But we went down there, and we got involved in this um, small, you know, Hispanic church and this charismatic youth group thing, and it really just, like, blew my my whole conception of church and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and faith and that, and really just, like, God used that as a stepping stone to say, okay, uh, here's what I have in store for you next. And when we got out of the Air Force, we were... Um, we really were, were clear, like, okay, we, we want to get involved in ministry, and and then I used the GI Bill to pay for my theology degree, as you said, and, and that really set our life on a course that Excellent. was uh, really working in the church. Nice. Were you already married when you were at the Air Force? Mm-hmm. Wow. I got married, yeah, I got married young. when I was 20 years old, right out of high school. So, <laughs> nice. Um, very nice. young. So then you, you did you start doing youth ministry and that kind of work while you were in college studying theology? Uh, yeah, so that was another crazy time. So I got out of the military, and um, I commuted to Quincy, which was about four hours away from uh, Effingham. And we were we were dirt dirt poor. I mean, we were living on, you know, government cheese and love at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so we would drive. I would drive there, and I had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday classes for the most part. And I would drive, and I stayed with a priest. There was an extra room in the rectory uh-huh. uh, from a priest who used to be stationed um, at, at St. Anthony at my alma mater. Right. And... Um, so I would take classes there and then come back home on the weekends and do the youth group thing and play music and lead retreats and all of that kind of stuff. And that went on for about a uh, about a year and a half. Um, I, w- I was in there to to get a gr- get a degree and get out. There was a couple mm-hmm. semesters I took 26 credit hours, so a pretty insane uh, workload there. Good, but and you were doing music all throughout this time. Yeah, that's when I, I really started to do music um, for the church, kind of on the on my own, and really starting to grow into that kind of a. a a leadership role. I remember my wife was really the one that kind of pushed me. She said, you need to not play songs, but you need to lead worship. That's where right. you need to really yes. grow. And yeah. it was really prophetic looking back on it. Yeah. So I guess that led to then your first album and now this second album. Can you tell us a bit about maybe the difference? How is this album different than the first one? Well, I would say the first one um, The first one is, is definitely really pop, really kind of radio-friendly, and uh, we did some covers that were like praise and worship covers. Yeah. Um, this one, although there are moments of, of what I would say maybe like praise and worship or like personal prayer, it's not necessarily designed for, for kind of communal singing. I would say this one is more kind of an artistic reflection on my Catholic faith uh-huh. and, um, and just trying to, to use beauty to lead people closer to Christ, where the first one maybe is more like, kind of explaining the catechism or is more kind of like talking or, or, or teaching the faith. Mm-hmm. This one is more just like, we just want to make something beautiful yeah, and no, artistic. And, 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 and I mean, and we, I've been listening to a, a lot of the music from it. It's, it's, it's really good, and I hope our listeners have been enjoying the two songs that we heard so far. Um, uh, t- tell us a bit, there's a bit of a, a, a shift in your, in your ministry now. You've, you've bought a new vehicle, and you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're going on the road. Tell us about this. Well, we're, we're about to undertake uh, a new chapter in the, in the Medi House. Um, we recently purchased an Airstream, and Airstream is a, uh, a 34-foot travel trailer. It's the biggest one they ever made. It's crazy. Uh, and it's, it's literally a, a house on wheels. It's like and, a big um, cylinder. Yeah, it's, it's a big... It's a, if you've ever seen them drive down the, the interstate, they're beautiful. They're all aluminum. They look really sleek and modern. Yeah. And um, so we got one of these, and we're in the process of renovating it, um, because as I continue to do music in that, um, I'm traveling around more and more. And as you know, I said, I'm married, I have five kids, and so I have certain responsibilities there, and you know, I want to be a part of my kids' lives in that. And there's this tension kind of between the two, between the ministry that Michelle and I are both certain that God has called me to do, and, mm-hmm. and where I feel like my gifts are really well used in the church, um, and then also 
you know, needing to travel and provide for my family and that. And so, right. Uh, starting at the beginning of May, we're going to take the family on the road, and um, my personal goal for 2013 is to play 200 concerts um, <laughs> all around the country at different nice. parishes. Um, and so we're, we're, uh, we're, like I said, we're renovating the Airstream and getting bunks built in the back and, uh, you know, lining up the tour. So you're taking uh, the starting whole, in May. You, is, are your kids homeschooled or, or I guess they're, they're going not, to have they're to not be? not yet, but that's something we're, we're very open to. We, we've looked at in the past and now we're, we're going to actively transition towards. So. And is Michelle at home? Yeah, she stays at home with the kids. So, um, it, it's all, so um, that, that makes it all a hundred percent of what, what supports our family is my music and, and speaking. So yeah, there's a hint to our listeners support. Michael. <laughs> um, so, so you, you will be on the road as long as it takes to get these 200 concerts done or, or I guess well, you'll... Uh, we're going to start with, uh, with a year. That's kind of our, our, our goal in uh-huh. a year. And, um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see where it goes from there. But that's kind of um, yeah. That's that's what we're working towards. So nice. You know what? There are. I'm sure you you've met some of them, but there are other artists that are doing the same. I know there's two two Canadian Catholic artists that uh, have bought RVs and take the whole family on the road. Um, Gerald Montpetit and uh, and Mark Mallet. Uh, uh, they've been uh, uh, doing. Uh, exactly what you want to do and and successfully so yeah yeah, um, i'd love to connect with them um anyway thank you for uh sharing a little bit of your life and your music with us um it's great to meet you and uh good luck i i hope our listeners uh uh will uh find find out more about you and 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 see if we can get your music out there that'd be great thank you so much deacon i appreciate your time you're welcome that was our featured artist of the week michael james metty you can learn more about Michael at his website, michaeljamesmetty.com. And Metty is M-E-T-T-E, but we'll put that link on our site so that you can find it easily. Here now is Michael with the title track of his latest album, Bring Forth the Light. Twilight yields its place as nighttime slips away Through the gray of another day like a melancholy
That was Michael James Meddy with Your Love from his album Bring Forth the Light. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Over a 10-year period, Archbishop Terence Prendergast wrote a weekly set of reflections on the Sunday readings titled God's Word on Sunday in the Canadian paper The Catholic Register. These reflections are now available in book form, and the last series from Liturgical Year of Luke, Year C, is now out. And to tell us why preparing for Sunday readings and to tell us why preparing for Sunday readings is important and how we can live God's word, we're now joined by Archbishop Terry Prendergast. Archbishop, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. By the way, congratulations on your ordination. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's, it's been good. It's been good so far. So, y- the year C is the year of Luke. Um, maybe we can jump right in because next, uh, next week, tomorrow, actually, we start with with the year of Luke. So, so what are some things that people should know about the Gospel of Luke that, that could help them prepare for Sundays? Well, one of the things I say is that Luke is very world-affirming. He uh, puts Jesus not just in the history of the chosen people of God, but on the world stage. Okay. So he mentions that uh, Jesus was born in the time of the Emperor Tiberius Caesar and the high priestess of Annas and Caiaphas. So he relates to both the uh, the Hellenistic world, or the world of the Greek-speaking countries or, or, or language, and also the Hebrew-speaking people. So he is trying to bridge and bring all of those together. Uh-huh. He also has a special fondness for the poor. Uh, blessed are you poor is the way the Beatitude is formulated in Luke's Gospel. Uh-huh. Blessed are the poor in spirit in, in the Gospel of Matthew. He also has a very strong uh, attraction and attention on women. And he also has a very high expectation that we will see the role of the Holy Spirit guiding the Church, so that even though at times the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Church and the Acts of the Apostles looks somewhat chaotic, there is a plan that God is working through uh, Jesus and through his disciples, and Mm. that's called the Paschal Mystery, and it's being lived out. And so even though Jesus is rejected everywhere he goes, and so is the Church, uh, what it does is paradoxically the word of God spreads. So it's a very good gospel to talk about the new evangelization. Oh, good. And and Luke is also the author of the book of Acts. That's of right. Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, um, you this? So this this um, uh, this uh, edition of the book, I guess this uh, the year C has a little bit introduction on the Gospel of Luke. It does. In, in each of the volumes, I put a kind of special emphasis. Uh, in right. year A, when I was doing Matthew's Gospel, I also said, where am I going to put all of those feast days that replace a Sunday, like the Saints Peter and Paul, or the Transfiguration, or the Assumption? If they fall on a Sunday, uh-huh. they get they get priority. Uh, the Immaculate Conception doesn't. The Immaculate Conception is always on a uh-huh. on a weekday, and so is also the Annunciation. Uh, uh-huh. So they're not covered in the book because they no, don't fall on Sunday, but sometimes uh, even uh, All Souls or All Saints or the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran, they fall on a Sunday. Well, those uh, 15 or so feast days that can replace a Sunday are treated in Volume A. Uh-huh. And I also have a bit of an introduction to Matthew's Gospel. Uh-huh. When it came to Year B, because I spent my five years working on a doctoral dissertation of the Gospel of Mark, I synthesized some of the findings of my dissertation in the introdu- longer introduction to to uh, Mark's Gospel. And then for Year C, I have a special introduction to uh, 
the Gospel of Luke, with a little bit of reference to Acts, and also uh, something on the word on the Lectio Divina on praying the Scriptures, which is a kind of a very important part of life in right. the Church these days, since the since the Synod on the Word of God. So each each book has its own particular, I guess, uh, extra. It does. If you could yeah, say well, uh, there, there's, there's something on every Sunday, and this is one of the issues that came up to me is that even though I did it for ten years, there were sometimes. Sundays, the way just the way the church year fell, uh, you know, the land yeah. would begin early, or regular time would be delayed by by the appearance of uh, Trinity Sunday and Corpus Christi exactly. on Sunday. That meant that Sundays like ten and eleven or seven, eight, nine were were, are, are, were not there. And I discovered yeah. after looking at ten years of copies, I still had three or four Sundays a year that were missing in my total collection. So I had, had to write those specially because if a Sunday right. comes up and then the lectionary, you have to have it covered. So uh, everything is covered in, exactly. in three volumes. So even if people are this year and it's year C, but they still find that, that Trinity Sunday is one of the Sundays they can look at year A, your year A edition. No, 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 because Trinity Sunday oh, appears sorry, every not, year. Not Trinity Sunday. <laughs> it's not a feast that replaces <laughs> the Sunday. It's a regular Sunday. So sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> we learn a few things as we have a conversation. <laughs> uh, but uh, say the, the transfiguration. John the Baptist's birth, for example, okay. that happened this year on a Sunday. Well, okay. you would go to you would go to the volume year A. Yeah, it would be covered. So basically, any sun, anything, anything, any celebration of a Sunday. Is covered in it's the covered. Lines. Okay. Okay. Good. So now it makes sense to me, and I guess to most people, that this would be a book that could be used by by homilists or people liturgists who are preparing for liturgy. Is this a book that anyone can use, and how can they use it? Well, I've heard from a number of people who are in Bible studies that they like to oh, read yeah. the, the text, uh, and I suggest a method in, the, in each of the volumes. I suggest a method for preparing for the Sunday. Suggesting that you know they they read the readings first. That's the most important thing. Not reading my commentary. That's the secondary thing. Mm-hmm. But to read the readings and say, now what are the questions I have about this, mm-hmm. and uh, what do I not understand, and uh, what would I like to know more about? Now, and I say, <laughs> you better have another commentary or something else available if if you can. Yeah. Because sometimes what strikes me, even in the three years, uh, is not what the person wants to find out. So right. it may not be covered. I always try to cover. Mainly the Gospel of the day mm-hmm. and the Old Testament reading, but sometimes I'll choose the Psalm mm-hmm. or I'll choose uh, the second reading just for variety. But also, uh, you know, I might give uh, five or six paragraphs to the Gospel and one or two to the second reading, and mm-hmm. then two or three to the first reading. So I, I usually say something about each of the readings, but sometimes not. Sometimes I only cover one major thing because I want to make a point and. So there's a bit, lot of variety in the uh, in the in the collection, uh, but you know when you're writing for ten years, sometimes you were you were struck by the but, second reading, sometimes yes. by the gospel, so on. So yes. I, I try to even it out. I, I I try to make sure that almost every Sunday there is something major on the gospel, right. but on occasion that's not the case. So mm-hmm. I suggest that they read my commentary and then uh, pray about it. You know, go back right. and look at the readings uh, a second time and pray over them. And they might have a prayer group who could do that. The other thing, too, I encourage is I encourage people to meet together and read the scriptures, first of all, together, and then read the commentary together, and then share their own reflections, because that's often the way that adults learn, is by by exchanging, by asking questions, by sharing their insights. And I am always amazed when I meet with people preparing liturgy or preparing the Sunday reading or just one of the readings, how much comes out that I hadn't noticed in the text. Yeah. So there's something really, the Holy Spirit does move people and... uh, there's a power in the text that that really needs to come off the page and into our lives. That's why 
That's why I changed the title from God's Word on Sunday, which is what I was going to ask you. To living God's Word, because we the God's Word is is there for us every day of the week and every year every uh, every every year of our lives. You know? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Why why you changed the title? And and thank you for that response. So so, I mean, there are many ways I suppose that we can live God's Word, but specifically with with the readings or the way that the lectionary is organized with the readings yeah. how do you suggest that people can 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 live god's word throughout the week well at the beginning of the year i would say take a bit of time to to reflect upon the gospel that we're going to be main, really mainly mainly reading during this year for example this year luke luke if i haven't read the gospel of luke i might read it it's also a key for the christmas story so yes that, that's important uh also, um, what we discover is there's a dynamic in the liturgical year so that the next to last Sunday of the year before Christ the King always has something on the end of the world in eschatology and yeah. the coming of Christ and glory. But it's also there in the very first Sunday yes, of Advent. Is, yes. And so what we realize is that in Advent we, we go from looking at the way Christ is going to come in glory at the end of time and then to realize he's coming at Christmas and that's going to be on the, 20, on the fourth Sunday of Advent with the Annunciation to Mary or to Joseph mm-hmm. or something like that. But also then that he came in the ministry of Jesus, which is the theme of Sundays two and three, and of course in those two Sundays, of course the coming of Jesus requires conversion and the theme of reconciliation and of you know preparing for Christmas by celebrating the sacrament of reconciliation, for example. So there's a lot of dynamics in the liturgical year that is important to note, and uh, and and so that's how I would I would uh, I would suggest that people um, think about what they're about. And, you know, in, in in the commentary, I think two things are important. One is to prepare people to hear the Word of God on Sunday mm-hmm. and then to pray it. Uh, yeah. One thing, it's one thing to hear and to see it celebrated in the liturgy, but there's another thing to make it personal on my own. Yeah. There, there's, the, the Word is for the, our congregation. That's what the pastor is going to be preaching on Sunday, the deacon or the priest or the bishop. He's going to be trying to, to tie it to this particular congregation. But I also say, but I need it for my family or for my life, and maybe I could read the commentary or read the scriptures with my own my own loved ones, you know, whoever make up my household. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of different ways that we can we can do this. But the synod on the Word of God said, you know, the Word of God should be at the heart of every ministry, every life, every aspect of the life of the church, and so that's why a commentary like this is uh, is very good, and why I'm I'm so pleased that our own Cardinal Collins from Toronto yes. uh, wrote a foreword for this one. I have a couple other. Friends in the episcopacy who wrote my, the introductions to the first two, Cardinal George and yes. Cardinal Whirl, but uh, Cardinal Collins was very gracious and he talked about the importance of preparing well for Sunday liturgy. We mm-hmm. do it, and I think it's a that that also is a kind of bonus that people get this year. Yeah, well, hopefully hope from the own our own Cardinal in Canada. No, that's good, and hopefully that that's I know I mean we talk about Advent being the beginning of the new year, so we don't usually have Advent resolutions, but let's hope that. That's a resolution for people that they can begin preparing a little better for the readings, not just during Advent, but throughout the year. And 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 pray. I love that. Pray, pray the readings. Don't just read them or don't just hear them, because we are people. If you have a choice between reading my book and reading the scriptures, I'd say start with the scriptures all the time. Yeah. And you can always go and buy the book later. Yes. As you know, I mentioned earlier that there's a kind of discount for people who want to buy the whole collection. Yes, I was going to mention that. So so. and I, and I will, I'll, I'll direct people to all the proper websites and stuff, but, but thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you very much. Archbishop Terence Prendergast is a Jesuit and is also the Archbishop of Ottawa. You can read his blog at archbishopterry.blogspot.com. 
His new book, the final in the Living God's Word series, Reflections on the Sunday Readings for Year C, is published by Novalis, novalis.ca. And as Archbishop mentioned, if you buy all three in the set, you get a discount. Here now is Curtis Stephen with Pastors of the Lord from his new album, Amid Passing Things. Lord, now your servant may go in peace, your salvation mine eyes have seen. I will walk near running streams in the pastures of the Lord. The day is gone. The work is done. Any battles I've lost and won, I shall rest. And find welcome in the pastures of the Lord. Lay me down in verdant field, in green valleys with gold.
That was Curtis Stephen with Pastors of the Lord from his album Amid Passing Things, published by Spirit and Song. It's amazing that we've gone through four years of this radio program and we have not yet featured Curtis Stephen, someone who's provided the church with a wealth of music to serve a variety of worship and liturgical needs. Curtis is a lifelong musician. He has four albums, three with Spirit and Song. He's an accomplished worship and workshop leader. He's a composer and is also music director for his home parish. So he's a busy guy. Now, if you've ever been to the National Catholic Youth Conference, NCYC, or to the LA Religious Education Congress, you probably have heard um, the theme songs that he's composed. And he's also the composer of one of the most popular new mass settings, Mass of Renewal, that you might be singing in your own parish. There you go. So now you know who composed it. So I'm very happy to welcome Curtis Stephen to the Salt and Light Hour. Curtis, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Good to be here. <laughs> so I can see how you can aspire to be a musician. You know, when, when I grow up, I want to be a musician. How, how do you end up being a liturgical composer? Well, it's just like a lot of things in the church. You raise your hand, say, I need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and somebody puts, you, puts a guitar in your hand and pulls you up front, you know. Really, uh, I mean, it kind of actually is sort of like that, but my, uh, I come from a big Catholic family, 10 kids, wow. and uh, as the eighth of the, that, uh, the seventh son, you know, yeah. uh, of, um, I was my mom made us all take piano lessons. Yeah. So I started piano lessons when I was five, and so it gave me a little bit of a musical background. When I was in first grade, the nun says, Sister Regina says, um, can you lead us? You you sing loud because you sing good. You know, <laughs> she's a little Polish nun, you know. And she's about four feet tall. Yeah. Um, she's awesome. And uh, so she basically told us, you know, told me, encouraged me to sing, and, right. and so once in a while we would do a little song at the beginning where it was America, or America the Beautiful, or something at the yeah. beginning of our school day, our Catholic school day, and yeah. and so um, she said, hey, she couldn't sing at all, I mean, she couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, so mm -hmm. it was, you know, she asked me to, to help her, and so, I mean, in a first grade, so it was really just, you know, someone seeking me and seeing the, the, the gift that I had, you know, for music and just using it for whatever it was needed. Mm -hmm. And then uh, along when I was in about fifth grade, um, it, I, the, the priest that was there um, invited me to, they were changing uh, some of the music styles and stuff like that. They were, uh, they were doing a guitar, uh, using guitars and yeah. stuff like that for, for the school mass. Mm -hmm. And so basically he invited me to be part of that and found out that I could play a little music. And then before you know it, I'm at the 8 o'clock mass singing because he asked hmm. my mom if it was okay and you know I was like oh, okay I'll do whatever you know I gotta go to mass anyway yeah so, you might as well make it fun so it's like and then I basically did that every week all the way through high school and in college and it's really been what's kept me involved in faith but yeah. also um, charged up about it you know and now I'm trying to give back to the church that way yeah so. you know i i tell a very similar story because i don't think i would have been involved in church had i not been playing music so you never went through a period i mean you're the the eighth child of this huge family you never felt like you were rebelling or like you doubted the faith or you oh didn't i wouldn't say that i mean i would say there was different times that there was rebellion and you know especially as you go off to college, I mean, a lot of the formation we had, I mean, it was great, you know, growing up, but I went to a public high school, and, uh -huh. 
and you start seeing the world different and you know every per every human being i'm sure goes through that where they start questioning things and like they want to experience it themselves right in college you know the music was i i lived with the team that was doing the music and even though i would try to go out and do all the fun things that everybody else was doing and i was a musician i mean i was majoring in music and right you know gosh i was surrounded by every kind of temptation i'm sure yes um and you know so you kind of look and do I fit this and you're really looking for identity and um, my last year of college I was working on my master's degree and um, uh, the, all the guys that I had been living with they moved on because they were graduating and they're going back home or whatever and mm-hmm. uh, my friend Dennis who's in Ohio so maybe he might be listening to this um, right. that uh, they're, uh, they moved on and I somebody had to take up leadership Mm-hmm. And in the vacuum of leadership, I raised my hand, said I have to go to the bathroom, and somebody yeah. said, hey, you play guitar, right? You know, yeah. uh, So you're in charge. You know, I was the only one left out of that group, so yeah. I yeah. had seniority, and I took charge. And, and uh, then somebody called me and said, hey, would you like to play another mass in the evening and on guitar? And I didn't know how to play guitar, but I had a music degree, and Right. Now I'm so, in the job that I'm at. It's one of the largest parishes in the U.S. So. Yeah, yeah, and you're playing guitar. So that was, what, like 20 years ago, and now you're an accomplished liturgical composer. Um, not just liturgical, because you also write other, other types of music, but a lot of it is music that can be used in liturgy or for worship. Um, with four albums, this latest album, Amid Passing Things, it, what would you say is different about, about this music? I mean, I know it includes massive renewal, so that's unique. Um, right. But you, well, I think a lot of this, you know, when the new Roman Missal came out, um, we were. I, I've done a lot of the, the the first previous three albums are, you know, very um, that have a mixture of songs that are story songs, songs for spirituality, and in, in that, but they're not really geared specifically towards lit- liturgy on all of them. Yeah. It's a mix, and some of them are crossover. We really wanted to try to make a. Um, especially with the Roman Missal, like looking at Advent, like when you look through the Advent, it says amid passing things and many of the mm. different prayers, and it's beautiful. And it was just kind of a new phrase. I just loved it. And I think it, the one thing that stays in, is our liturgy. And uh, to tr- really contribute to the faithful um, coming sun- Sunday after Sunday who may not otherwise listen to music just for enrichment in itself, Yeah. Um, to hear these, to contribute to the, the, the repertoire of our our Sunday worship, mm-hmm. you know, was important. So, well, that was the, the the impetus for this, you know, the 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 spirit of this co- collection of songs, right? Is to really have stuff that people can use for their their masses, you know, yeah. in its variety of uses, you know. Yeah, so no, it, it's that was the kind of the difference in this one between the others. Right, no, it's good stuff. Now, the other thing that's also new for you is that you have a songbook. This is not your first songbook, but it's the first. It's sort of the collection of the eighteen most favorite Curtis Steven tunes? <laughs> well, it actually is my first song oh, is per it? se. Yeah, yeah? It's the first one that has my own picture on it, you know. It's like, you it's it's, it's, you, you know? look great. Like, I don't think I've ever had it. It looks like you're in Texas. I am. I am in Texas, <laughs> in Frisco, Texas, where I live. So. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, it's not my first published song. It's not the first time I've seen my stuff in print. But yeah. yes, for a collection of stuff that actually has my name on it and 18 songs of worship and uh, songs for prayer and worship. And some of them are a little bit more liturgical than others, uh, but at the same time, they're they're there for people to learn and, and use. 
Division. Actually, it's 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 really. I'm gonna just put a plug in here because we already heard "Ready the Way," and that's in the book. Mm-hmm. And we already heard "Pastors of the Lord," and that's in the book. Yep. And at the end of the show, I'm gonna play "Miracle of Grace," which I think is a great communion song. It's also in the book. So if people like the music that they heard today, they can just get the book and they can sing it at church or sing it wherever people sing, I guess. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so you can get them just to learn them. Hey, you know, some of those songs are easy, so easy to play. Yeah. Basically, you can use them as a, you know, we use a lot of these books, you know, guitar to teach guitar, you know. Yes. To teach somebody a song that they want to learn, you know, here's a song that you can learn. It's four chords, you know, it's easy. You know? Yeah, so no, it's... it's that, a lot of these songs, that's what we're trying to do is, you know kind of hit on a variety of levels. So w- looking back at, at, can I say looking back at your career, um, not that you're Strange old or anything. Strange to hear that, you know, <laughs> thinking, I still think of myself as that young punk that came <laughs> you're out you're of not that old. college. But, so. it, but, yeah. What would you say, I mean, you have a ministry, so what would you say is is your mission or your hope for your ministry? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, I've been really digging into this a, a lot deeper and I would say when I first started there was a piece of that that always said you know I, I want to do great things for God and mm-hmm. a lot in a lot of people that says I want to stand in front of a lot of people and proclaim his news you know pro- proclaim good news for me I think what fortunately along the way a friend of mine said to me don't pursue a career pursue Jesus mm-hmm. and that sets you on the path and I've always thought about that. Recently, I read a great book, and I just want everybody in the world to read it because I think she's hitting on some really cool things. It's called Forming Intentional Disciples by Sherry Weddell. Mm-hmm. Our Sunday visitor has that. Um, anyway, um, plugging somebody else's book. Yeah, but the point is, that I really feel like my ministry is really to help form intentional disciples, people that are charged up by the Holy Spirit with a relationship with Christ um, to be able to... Uh, at one level, be filled up as a reservoir to spill out God's graces on everyone else, and on the other hand, to, to serve them in a way that brings them into a leadership and a newer relationship with Christ, hmm. that brings them and empowers them as a leader to become, uh, be, to, that, that trains other people in the ways of the faith, you know? Yeah. Because it's good news. This is a, we want to transmit the faith and pass it on to everyone in the world. So mm-hmm. to go out and make disciples of all nations is ultimately what we're yeah. what we're all about. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to do more of, even more intentionally. Yeah, yeah you know? no, that's great. And I love the intentional because I, I use the word intentional. Um, you can replace it with missional. It's mm-hmm. your mission. It's your intention is what's you, what, what you're all about. And that's what we are all about. You're so, you're so right. That's what we are all about. Go out, word. go to the ends of the earth, and you know, and that's you know Matthew twenty-eight. I mean, that's got to be my favorite mm-hmm. um, gospel passage. Um, we got to leave it there, my friend. But um, thank you for speaking with us and for sharing a little bit of your music with us today. And uh, I'm sure our our paths will cross again. Uh, I hope so soon. You can learn more about Curtis Stephen and about these uh, two new products: his songbook, Songs for Prayer and Worship and his new album Amid Passing Things at spiritandsong.com and here now is Curtis with a, as I said, I think it's a perfect communion song from his new album Amid Passing Things Miracle of Grace Miracle of Grace Mystery of Faith Calling us to venture to the deep 
still prevail And we become the love that we Listening to Curtis Stephen with Miracle of Grace from his album Amid Passing Things. That concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit us, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. Like a